Hello, you are listening to the Batfans podcast brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Enjoy the show. Yeah, so, um, did you guys have anything else to say about, um, the death of, death of the family? Or the... <coughs> Sorry. <You> okay. <laughs> Coughing up a hairball there? <laughs> no, I'm, There's I'm a eating... <laughs> I'm eating almonds and I just, um... Oh. I was choking out one of the almond skins. Yeah, it would be nice if you don't die on the black <laughs> yeah, It would be nice if you don't die on the podcast. Hey everybody, it's another Batfans podcast. We're back again, like we said we would, because we love you, and because uh, Tim has nothing else to do on his Saturdays. Except wait for uh, furniture to get delivered. <laughs> yeah, wait an hour for furniture to show up when we're supposed to be recording. But anyways, this is uh, the Batfans podcast, because we couldn't think of another name, <laughs> and because, Tim, Yes. because you haven't listen to the Star Wars audio dramas yet. That's why we're called the Bat Fans Podcast. Because uh, the original title would have been the Bat Star Wars Radio Drama Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you suck as a Star Wars fan. I'm sorry. I know, I'm sorry. I, I suck as a Batman fan and Star Wars fan and everything. Yeah, you do. Um, but yeah, we, we, we have Tim here with us. As always, he seems to be a constant on the show, unlike that other guy, PJ. <laughs> um, and we also have, have Bob. Bob was from the site we were we came from, but he's on a different site now called BatmanNightfall.com. And he has graced us with his presence. So thank you, Bob, for showing Hello. up. Hello. Hello. It's okay. This. My pleasure. <laughs> it's always going to help. It's to keep up the English headcount. <laughs> I didn't want, want PJ to uh, <laughs> So I do not feel like he's uh, the, the, the quota of English um, people that are here. So. Yeah, there's only a few episodes like that, so <laughs> it's good we're back on track. <laughs> yeah, so um, what's been going on with you guys? Uh, let's start off with Tim first. Well, for me, I would come off a high of going, being able to go to the Dark Knight Returns premiere held in L.A. That was last week, right, which right. was awesome. It was such a cool experience. Oh, yeah. And I finally got to meet one of my heroes I've been wanting to meet. <laughs> and you made him cry. Yes, and I made him cry. <laughs> As you can see on the video. <laughs> yes, I made Bruce Tim cry. I have that to my uh, credit now. <laughs> <laughs> you put that on a resume. I'm sure you, you'll you get a lot of jobs. Yeah. Um, so, Bob, what have you been up to? Well, let's see. Um, not a whole lot other than trying to convince my um my my people that I work for that I'm I'm not a robot uh, and I do have a life outside of of work uh, which seems to be working so far. Uh, so uh, my life, uh, as as you guys know, I had to stop the site originally and and whatnot uh, because of a work commitment and had a, a new new child on on the scene uh, who's now over a year old. So uh, he's now sleeping properly and I don't feel as 
as zombified as as I used to, which is really nice. Uh, but uh, recently, I've um, I've been having the opportunity to sort of get back into the Batman uh, swing of things, and uh, I've started up a new site, which is uh, as Tim alluded to, or to um, BatmanNightfall.com, which is my uh, sort of nostalgic uh, run back to uh, looking at all the original 1990s uh, uh, the Batman Nightfall. Uh, saga, which I'm looking forward to uh, getting the ball rolling properly on that. We've got the first podcast up, um, which we recorded uh, a couple of years ago, but uh, I'm now, now looking forward to uh, getting the ball rolling on that, so uh, check that out soon if you can. But apart from that, I'm just trying to frankly catch up now with all the, the new 52 Batman stuff. I had to uh, stop for a while, and uh, now I've managed to get um, the uh, collection back up and running, so I'm, uh, I'm just frankly trying to catch up. So I'm, I'm a little bit behind my comics, so you can slap me on the wrist for that one, but uh, apart from that... Speaking of Batman Nightfall, Bob, uh, since Dane's here, we got to settle something that he, he's not allowed on the Batman Nightfall podcast at all, because he just confessed to me that he is not a fan of the Nightfall storyline. Ah, <laughs> oh, so that pains us. Oh, it's about pains me to hear that. It was a dark secret he's been keeping. In this last episode, he revealed that to me. Like, oh. is, it, is it the fact that you don't like the story, or you just don't want to go there? I mean, I, I don't know why I don't like Nightfall. I mean, the the Nightfall audio drama brought me into this world, this Batman world, but I, the, there's just something with the comics that, that just doesn't um, appeal to me. Like it does to you guys. Was it was it because like the was it the first Batman comics you didn't you got into, or did, did you read other stories before you actually read Nightfall for the first time? Yeah, it, it's probably because I I read our story before Nightfall. I didn't read Nightfall until I was in high school. So um, yeah, it, it it just doesn't connect with me like it does with you guys. Maybe it's because you guys read it when you guys were kids. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just don't know. Uh, so I think for me with with Nightfall, because I mean, the storyline was it was the first comic book I ever read, um, and at the same time, obviously over here in the UK, uh, we were getting our comics probably about probably about three or four months later than you guys at that time. Obviously, with uh, um, the, I was getting what we call the, our uh, like nine um, elevens. Uh, we've got over here, and you know that they weren't getting them like on 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 the day or on the week of release. So I mean, there was a pretty big delay. So um, by the time I'd started reading it, I think it was issue eleven of that Nightfall run, and by this time BBC Audio had already started doing the the dramatization of it. So I kind of had both at the same time, which was absolutely fantastic. I was enjoying the story. Me, my older brother got work in this comic book store um i saw it had access then to the comics in, at the same time this audio drama then came out it's not on the radio i was rushing home from school to to listen to this it was it was absolutely amazing but i don't think i think for me the biggest thing for, with nightfall was jim Aparo's artwork um it's just seeing that um i think was what drew me into the whole batman world properly it's just his artwork was just so gorgeous the whole bane thing there's this new bad guy and and i just I don't think you know, coming into it at any other time, you know, I might not end up being uh, the bigger Batman, the bigger Batman fan I am now. I think because of that storyline, I don't think anything, you know, the stuff afterwards, Cataclysm and um, Contagion and, and uh, No Man's Land, No Man's Land probably would have hooked me if I'd come in at that period as well, just because of the idea of the storyline. But that's funny you said that about Nightfall being issue number eleven being or part eleven was being the first one you read. That was the exact same way I did it too. <laughs> yeah. I got issue 11, then I kind of mixed it up. I got issue 11, then I think all my comic book shop had at the time was issue, or part 4. So I got 11, then 4, then I started my way from 4 to 10, 
and then I went back to one, two, and three because those are a little more expensive. I think because they were, I guess, older or whatnot, but they're a little more than what I got on my allowance at the time as a nine-year-old yeah. kid. So. Well, actually, in fact, in my first call, I didn't actually buy um, the Batman uh, that issue. The, it was the it was the breaking of the back that part. I think it was. Yeah. Um, I actually picked up Catwoman issue one. And it was my friend who picked up the Batman comic, and we we swapped over. And I was I remember first read it was like, oh my god! I be- I begged and pleaded him, I have to have this comic. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, and then he eventually um, just ended up just giving it to me because I was you know annoying him that much. <laughs> just, just take it off me, just take it. Well, um, so I managed to keep keeping the Catwoman as well. Um, and Bane was introduced in that was in that that story like that first story as well. So. I think it was just falling in love with that, that new character. Um, and then I was just lucky. I said, my brother managed to then get uh, a manager position in this, this comic book store. And, and that was it. I was getting oh, them from that awesome. on me. It was just like, I just couldn't believe it. And then I think about six months later, I managed to get like weekend work there. Um, so then I was going, they basically, they didn't pay me. They paid me in comic books. <laughs> they just, you just said at the end of the day, just go and pick this amount of, of, of comic books, uh, and they're yours. And I just basically was going through the racks and picking out all the, the nightfall issues that I'd missed. So. I was quite lucky on in that school. Nice. <laughs> I know. So, Dan, yeah, you missed out on it. <laughs> you don't know what you were missing. Yeah, it's probably because I'm younger than you guys. That's true. So if I was nine That's when I got into it, you were, what, like six or five <laughs> or something like that? Uh, I was five if you were nine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it was because I was just too young to get into it when it initially came out and then when I read it in high school it was I I just didn't connect with it but but I do agree with you Bob that Jim Aparo's art on that book is pretty nice pretty awesome yeah. alright so um, I guess we can talk about Dark Knight Returns animated movie which Tim got to go to the premiere for for it for the Batman <laughs> the Batman universe site sorry that was a bad introduction I, I, I didn't do it justice to him so uh, <laughs> Your your talk through has to be pretty awesome. Uh, I got to make up for that now. The pressure's yeah. on. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was such a cool experience being able to go to the premiere for the movie. I mean, I previously got to do one for Justice League Doom, but um, as you know, Dane for Justice League Doom, I had one disappointment about that, which was because Bruce Tim didn't show up when he was on the scheduled list. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was there, I just kept yeah. waiting, like, oh, maybe he'll show up later or something, but no. <laughs> But this no time, show. he was on the list, and he did show up, which was, I mean, it was cool to talk to everyone there, but all I cared about really was getting the chance to meet Bruce Tim at the talk to him. It was an it, it Ariel Winter, <laughs> or whatever her name is. She was a close second, I guess. <laughs> you didn't turn into a little girl when you saw him, did you? <laughs> you didn't you? Come on. Okay, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> what you would have done. I hopped over the rope that was over there and gave a big hug. <laughs> you're amazing, you're amazing. But no, actually, I was worried because how they had it set up was they had several of the cast and crew making their way through the line. So you had Bruce Tim on one side from where I was at, and then they had uh, David Selby, who did Commissioner Gordon voice in the movie, on the other side. So they were making their way down. I was kind of in the middle of it. So I was kind of worried. What if they both show up at the same time for my spot? Or what if I'm talking to one and that the other's next, but he has to pass over me because I'm talking to someone else. And I kept worrying that that was going to happen. And it actually did happen, but it, I did get to talk to Bruce Tim. And I, you can even see in the video as I'm talking to Bruce Tim, David Selby kind of walks over and you see him go on to the next person. 
So, but I was kind of worried if I oh, get to David Selby, that Bruce Tim walks over past me and I never get the chance to talk to him out of it. Um, so disappointed. So you wouldn't have got to the point where, I don't want to talk to you, I don't want to talk to him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was worried about. You but, suck. I want to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen you in anything. Move on. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, he was the only one I didn't get a chance to talk to, David Selby, but... But as Bruce Tim was making his way down to where I was, I was thinking to myself, like, should I actually like kind of gush over him, tell him how much I love Batman the Animated Series and how what an amazing job he did, or should I just kind of keep it, you know, kind of professional, just ask the questions, just tell him thank you and all that, which is kind of what I ended up doing anyway. But I just, I think I just ended up saying it was like an honor or it was great to meet you, something like that, which is, I guess, all the gushing I was able to do. But kept it so as that's impressive. <laughs> but yeah, but as you see the video, I did make him cry when I <laughs> told him that it was the 20th anniversary of the Batman the Animated Series. I just wanted to see if he kind of get his reflection on it. And then he just goes, it just makes me feel old. Are you happy now? <laughs> you made an old man cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. He was like real laid back, real easy to talk to. It was great. And then Peter Weller, he was <laughs> an interesting one to talk to. Right before, I didn't even get a chance to ask a question. He just walks up. I, I say, hi, I'm Tim from Batman Universe. He goes, oh, what is that? Do you have Detective Comics uh, number 27, the first appearance of Batman? Do you know how much that's worth? Well, I know a guy who has this. I just got going on and on about something before I even asked the question. <laughs> it was like the easiest thing. I, I, I would have crumbled, I think. My God, it's Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> but how he ended it, he goes, it's like there's pretty much no character who can like live up to Batman. Except maybe RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then the only other thing was, uh, as you mentioned, David, uh, Ariel Winter. She showed up real late. I mean, after pretty much all the media crew was pretty much leaving the building or going to the theater to see the movie. The movie actually started before she even showed up. So there was like a handful of people who was like still waiting in the media section. And then she came like 15 minutes during the movie that was going on. So it was like maybe five people who got to talk to her for an interview. So we are one of the few who have this interview. Uh, I don't know if it was you, Tim, <laughs> or her, but she kind of didn't have anything to say. Uh, she did. About about the Dark Knight Return. I did notice she did say, kind of give the same answer over and over again. Like, she kind of knew what she was going to say, and then... She scripted her announcements. Exactly, yeah. Even on the Q&A afterwards, she pretty much repeated the same answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so probably the only negative thing about the whole experience was uh, being a little late <laughs> to the actual screening of The Dark Knight Returns. I probably missed, like, between 15 to 20 minutes. But um, it was cool, though, that we actually got into the main theater room, because before they put us, like, all the media members who wanted to see the movie in a separate room on a small TV screen. <laughs> so it was good to finally see it in an actual theater, even though the theater screen is not, like, normal movie theaters. But uh, it was still cool to see it on a big screen. Cool. Did they give you a, a media copy afterwards? Or? Yeah, that's another shocking thing, too. Like, I guess the PR guy who was in charge of the whole event, this, he just came out of nowhere as the media crew was starting to get out of the media section. You're just handing copies to people. Not not everyone, just certain people, I guess, who was next to, and I happened to be right there, and I got one, which is oh, cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Right place in the right time. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so that definitely made up for missing the first 15 minutes of the movie. Oh, so it wasn't Bruce Tim meeting Bruce Tim for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting a Dark Knight Return. Okay, DVD. second best thing, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait. 
it, it wasn't meeting Ariel Winter for the first time. <laughs> okay, third day. <laughs> um, so, so what did you think? Or, or no, wait, I, I should start off with Bob first. Bob, what did you think of the movie? Oh, what can you say? I wasn't too um, on on reflection. I'm seeing you know, seeing the artwork coming through from the from the media and that um, it looked brilliant. Uh, and all the trailers that we've been seeing, I thought, yeah, they've, they've they've hit the 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 artwork, the animation, nail on the head, absolutely fantastic. But I was a little bit dubious. Um, don't be wrong. I'm I'm a big fan of of the Dark Knight Returns. Um, very well written story, um, and it's obviously held up on a pedestal by a, a lot of people. Everyone loves it. Um, but for me, I think some of the part, the, the first part of of the story, kind of dragged out a little bit, especially with all the the media bits that uh, jump in with the the story. I think there's too much of the you know the newscast presented on there, and I think the first part, probably the first, I think the first issue in, in it's broken down, for me, took a long while. I really couldn't get into it very well, very well until you you have to get past that. And it's absolutely amazing the whole story. Um, and I was very worried that they would do the similar sort of thing on on, this, on the movie. Um, but I'm pleased to say that complete opposite. It it got on with it. Um, it set up the the, the storyline in the background with um, they didn't allude too much, obviously, with the the whole you know world. The, in other words, in a, in a better place with the Superman thing, got it a bit alluded to. Um, that's that's skipped over. Um, a lot of the newscast stuff skipped over. They go straight in it with the with the mutants. Um, you see, I was very pleased to see the very beginning with the race um, sequence, and that was very well done. Um, and then it just, like, within the first, was it probably 20 minutes of that? I mean, he's Batman, and, you know, he's, he's doing exactly what it is on the pages. And I, I, you can't fault that they've pretty much just lifted and shifted it onto screen, um, right down to, um, I mean, they did the, the cover when he jumps through in the lightning sequence. Oh, it's absolutely funny. <laughs> exactly. I just couldn't believe it. And the guy, the, the cops driving through and said, you're in for a good night. And obviously then, um, you can see whether they, Nolan got some of his, his, his bits and his cues from that. And I just can't fault it. It's, it's there at the top of the list of all my favorite animated, DC animated movies. Um, that is now at the top of the list with under Red Hood and under just underneath that. I just couldn't fault it. Um, Weller as, as the Batman. Amazing. Shelby as Commissioner Gordon was fantastic, um, and um, even just the, just the whole fighting sequence to the mutants. That like, it's amazing. Just completely different shifted. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. It was. I mean, it's probably one of the longest ones now. Is it around thirty-five minutes? I think this one's four. And I it was over in a snap, and it was like, oh, I've got to watch it again. It was was fantastic. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, even the ranking, like you said, I don't think it's quite up there with Under the Red Hood, but it's just maybe just a little bit below it. As the best Batman animated movie that they put out with these uh, DC animated features, but yeah, probably my favorite part because if I enjoyed it a lot when I saw it for the first time, but couldn't really get the full sense of it since I missed the first 15 minutes of it. I just love how it all starts. My probably my favorite segments of it were Bruce just as he's watching the those TV in his house, seeing all those news reports of how bad Gotham is, and just reflecting back to his parents. Uh, death. I just love that whole sequence. The directing yeah. on that was amazing. Just, just how the whole fact that he got back to being Batman again was handled perfectly, just how it was in the book. I mean, just did a great job, like you said, all around. Yeah, we we need to talk about Peter Weller as as Bruce. I I didn't expect him to be this good. I really didn't. No, I didn't. Uh, it, it's yeah, it's more of a subtle thing too. It's 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 not like a Kevin Conroy or. Um, What's that guy's name who did Under the Red Hood? Bruce Greenwood. Um, yeah, Bruce Greenwood. It's 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 like he barely raises his voice from a 
you know, his common talking voice, like he's talking in a library. It seems yeah, like. he's like deadpan across the whole thing, isn't he? Yeah, but it works. I mean, I don't, I, it's it, it's it's a really subtle performance. It's it's a real subtle voice. I I didn't expect to like it because um, I mean, really, yeah, I didn't really imagine Peter Weller as Batman, but it really works. Yeah, I thought he did good too. I mean. I told you this before, Dane. My, I wish it was Michael Ironside doing the voice who did it in the Batman the Animated Series episode, Legends of the Dark Knight, that did the whole mutant sequence. I thought his voice was perfect. Right. I pretty much, every time I read the Dark Knight Returns after <laughs> that episode, I always had Michael Ironside's voice in my head. But Peter Weller did a good job. Was, I didn't realize that was him. I'm yeah. going to go back and watch that now. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't think Peter Weller is quite as good as Ironside was, but yeah, I just think... It's still, he doesn't take anything away from the movie. He still does a good job as Batman. But um, one thing I wanted to ask you guys, uh, did you miss the inner monologue at all? Did that affect it in any way? Like, were there certain lines that you felt were missing that you wish were still included in there? No. Uh, you know what, for me, he, as long as he said that one um, uh, line about the operating table, yeah. I'm the surgeon. If that was, I was waiting for it. And as soon as he said it, I thought it sold. So it, the movie's done for me. I'm happy now. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't mind it too much. The only thing I wish she still said was uh, the rubber bullets. Honest line. <laughs> I always love that line. But I know it was kind of a controversy. Writer Bob Goodman even said that in the Q&A that they was kind of going back and forth with some the people at DC about him not wanting to include the monologue in there, which I think it was the right choice because it, it was better for the movie. It did, I think, flow better than just having that monologue going all the time in certain sequences that probably just wouldn't make it fit. Right, and... and in in year one, it really didn't work. You, you know, Bruce's in monologue, and it it was just so dry, and it did not translate well into that movie from you know, um, the the comic book. But um, I was wondering, do do you guys feel like some of the language was outdated a little bit, <laughs> a specifically of those two guys, the, uh, the no, the two the complete eighties. Yeah, it's so 80s throwback. I mean, it is out of date, but I still like it that way. <laughs> I mean, that's how like wasn't the comics. I think if they changed it to try to keep it up to date, I don't think it would have worked well. No, that's how cats talk right. in the future, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robin Dodd, you gotta love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, so so what did you guys think about um? Terry Kelly. I thought she was fine. I liked the whole sequence of after Batman's fight with the mutant mutant leader and her trying to like rescue him and bring him back to the Batmobile. And then the conversation that they have when Bruce and her are in the Batmobile. I like that whole segment where he asks her who she is, and then in return he t- tells her right away who he really is as Bruce. And then Alfred starts getting mad at him. <laughs> yeah, that was a great sequence. So I thought she worked That's... fine for the movie. Yeah, no, I don't think she. Um... I think if they'd removed her from the movie, that probably would have caused more uproar than anything. Yeah, definitely. I think she, obviously, she's the only, her, this is her only time in any of the comic books. So I don't think she's appeared anywhere else, is she, um, apart from, from the Dark Knight Returns um, in print and, and this movie now. So I think without her, that probably would have would have been, but I think you're right, Dane. And if she wasn't in it, and for those people who are just watching it as, a, as an animated movie, um, you know, they wouldn't have, have missed out and, and been none the wiser, so. One of the weirdest haircuts in comics, I have to <laughs> yeah, say. 80s throwback. <laughs> <laughs> how do you how do you how do you style that? That's, that's what I want to know. Um, but speaking of haircuts, um, I I watched the Batman Batman and Me documentary on the 
on the DVD. Yeah, which is just recycled from and, the Gotham Knight one, which is disappointing. Right, right. But but did you see that in, that guy that was interviewing Bob Kane like in the eighties? <laughs> oh yeah. One of the, the the best the best mullets in in the history of the world. I have no, to say. I bet it's not. I bet I could top a mullet. I have a photograph of me in front of all my Batman stuff with the best mullet in the world. I find that. I will share it. It's it's horrendous. Yeah, no, I I, I could top that, mate. Really, I could. I I want to see that very very badly. More than I want to see the Dark Knight Returns Part Two. <laughs> just trying to get out. It's it's out there somewhere. I'm sure I scanned it. It's horrible. It's me. I've got, I've got I've these um, jogging shorts on that are like up around me, top underneath me chest. It's horrible. I, don't know I, was, I was proper. I was like, <laughs> it's probably freak. I was no wonder I was bullied at school. <laughs> you had the bullet. I had a mop top. <laughs> you guys, you guys like Tiny Tunes? Yeah. Remember, there's that uh, that dodo bird. He always goes like, yep, oh, yep, 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 I had that haircut. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can share that too. <laughs> yeah. It was horrible, dude. <laughs> Every while, everyone would just, instead of calling me Tim, they would just go, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, I mean, you, I mean, it's pretty obvious you were a George Harrison lookalike um, yeah. from, from the Hamburg, Germany days, you know, before they hit it big. Um, have you ever considered a um, a bowl haircut or whatever they call it, that Beatles haircut? Yeah, that's what I kind of had during my teenage years. I think I did. Wow. I tried. I, I always, like you said, I got. I look like George Harrison a lot, so I kind of went full on <laughs> trying to look exactly like him. You should do a hippie George Harrison. <laughs> long, long hair, you know, with the beard, the long hair. You look cool. Um, I'm not that far off from that now. <laughs> I just Works I destroy me to the point where I'm, I'm just like this, um, like um, Grizzly Adams at the minute. I've got such a lot. I need to make a really young. I always say I wish I had George Harrison's musical talents and his looks any day, though. <laughs> I swear, you look like George Harrison himself. The, well, not George Harrison, really. Um, more like um, Danny Harrison. His son, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I told that's you we're, we're distant cousins. We're like third cousins. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like my uh, my grandfather. My, yeah, my mom's side, her, her dad, like second cousin, married George Harrison. That's <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> link. Yeah. I wonder you guys look like. <laughs> In some weird way. Um he jumped over a couple of gene pools. <laughs> uh, but, but that's enough of George Harrison and Bob's mullets and Tim's Bob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, so do you guys think that the the Dark Knight Returns does the um, does the, the Frank Miller book justice so far? Oh yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, when I was watching the movie, I really didn't get a point where I said, oh, I wish that was in it, or I wish they did it this way. As I, like I said, the only line I wish was that was the rubber bullets line, but everything else I, mean, I was really happy with. I mean, the fight sequence, like you said earlier, Bob, were just really good. I don't think there was quite like well choreographed, like 
the under the Red Hood fight sequence was, but it was just like a brutal fight, just where they were just really going at each other like hard, <laughs> where just hard punches that you really felt on. Uh, yeah, both like the times the, the 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 before and the, and the after we get the black suit and the fight in the mud. Yeah, um, like, both them sequences were really well done. Like when I when I see those sequences when I watched it twice, it was like one kept topping the other because after I left <laughs> the movie for the first, I thought the second fight scene was the best. But then when I watched it again, the first one, I go, oh, I like this one the best. But then when I saw the last one again, <laughs> it was like, ooh, that one's the best. There was one sequence with, um, after they've caught the, um, the leader of the mutants, and then they let the mayor go in. I'm actually sat there thinking, don't let him go in. Don't let him go in. Why are you letting him go in for? And then you hear him scream. You think, there we go. <laughs> yeah. If I was Gordon, I would have pulled the trigger anyway. <laughs> but um, I don't know about you guys, but after watching it and reading the comic again, uh, this, I realized more how a lot of it reminded me of The Dark Knight Rises, not just of the whole thing of uh, Bruce being retired and coming back, but kind of some of the similarities between his fight with the mutant leader and Bane, where he fights him for the first time in, since he's been out of Batman so long, he doesn't <laughs> do too well in the fight and gets beat up pretty good. And then just how he comes back in the second fight and yeah. much knows how to take him down this time. I, mean, I never got that parallel when I saw Dark Knight Rises a few times, but watching this movie again, I kind of figured, yeah, that does kind of remind me of the Dark Knight Returns in more ways than I thought before. Yeah, like you said, the fight sequences are are really well done in this movie. I I thought that they were better than any other anime movie that I've seen. Yeah, I, I still like Under the Red Hoods better, his fight with Jason at the end, but this one's a, a close second, I think. Well, I, I, just at the end of that, I think... Um the uh the, the for the for the setup for the sequel the end of it was really well um, yeah. I think that they, they ended it at the perfect spot obviously with the Joker yeah that's another good this comatose state so that's um, another good point too that they because in the comic Joker was featured pretty much in the first two parts is kind of getting his plan set up with the guy with the bombs and I liked how they cut all that out and just the first time we actually see it was at the very end where he says that line Batman darling that was like you said Bob the perfect way to end it mm. the cliffhanger ending yeah perfect setup. And also to the point is where people don't kind of realise there's going to be a second part to those obviously are not Batman fans or whatnot. So they could just obviously take that as it as it obviously it's titled part one, but um, it's, it would just work well as a standalone movie. They've done really well. It's like, that's, you can have them as both, either one but separately or you can watch it as a whole thing. And I think once obviously we've had the second part and uh, we've, uh, we've gone, gone through that, I think it would be nice just to sit back and watch the whole thing then. Uh, for a few hours and just to take the whole thing in as, as one massive story then yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to the interesting thing they said at the Q&A afterwards was that they're thinking about after part 2 is released they are going to release it as one movie in the future they kind of they didn't give a definite answer but they said it's something they're looking into that'd be cool no, if they do that. that would be cool yeah but I don't know I think when, before I even saw the movie I've been looking forward to part 2 more than part 1 but as good as part 1 was I mean just, I just can't wait for that Sequence no. with the Joker and then Superman is going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think they've done this one justice. So I think I, I, I've got no no fears about the second one at all now. Yeah, and then I don't know if you guys saw the, the behind the scene feature for part two on the DVD, but it looks like uh, Joker and Superman are going to be handled real well too. The voice actors seem pretty good. I don't know about the Superman voice. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe it's because Superman is older. I mean, I, I don't know if time really affects him. Not not as much as it does normal humans. <laughs> Right, right. I don't know, j- just judging strictly from that five minute or however long it was uh, special feature, I don't, I don't know. And, and I'm still unsure about um, that guy who's doing the voice for Joker. Mm-hmm. 
I can't remember what his name is, but Michael Emerson. Michael Emerson. Yeah, yeah, yeah Michael Emerson. I I don't know. He sounds he sounds good to me. I, if anything, just his yeah, laugh doesn't quite measure up to. Yeah, maybe it's because I'm um, comparing him with Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe that's that's the reason. But yeah. uh, but I'm sure it's gonna be awesome. I mean, regardless, and that Superman fight is gonna be awesome. I can't wait to see that. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> More than anything. <laughs> um. So, I, I guess that's it from the from the um from the movie. Is, is there anything else you guys wanted to to say? No, just that. I guess if I were to rank it out of all the DC animated movies, it'd probably be like I'd probably give it this my second spot after Under the Red Hood. It just edges it out just a little bit. No, I'm the opposite. I think it's it's now it's, it's it edges its way to the top. Um, I think I think for more of a serious animated movie, um, this one's fantastic. But in terms of you know more of a a fun action packed movie, then Under the Red Hood is definitely uh, definitely at the top of the list there for that as well. Um, Under the Red Hood. I've, I've, count, I've lost count of the amount of times I've watched that movie. I could watch it over and over again because it's, it's just fun to watch. Um, but with The Dark Knight Returns, um, it's one of the films I probably have to watch maybe once a year or they just go back to it every now and when I feel like it. It's not like, oh, I need to watch it again. But in terms of its, its, its storyline and, and how they've handled it, it's definitely one of the best ones they've done. Okay, and I'll be the tiebreaker. Bob, what do you have to offer me if I go your way? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll send you that photograph of me in a mullet really quick. <laughs> I'm with Bob. <laughs> no, um, you know I have to say that the Dark Knight Returns is is better than Under the Red Hood for me, just because. Um, I mean, first off, it, the, the comic is is a classic, and they've done a good interpretation of that, and you know they cut out. All that other crap, which I didn't even expect. I, I thought it was going to be like year one, where it was just going to be um, dry inner monologue. And you know, they really impressed me. I, I thought this was going to be not very good, but I know you were I, worried. About I, I just loved it. Yeah, I was worried about it. I mean, I, I really was, um, just because I I did not like that year one translation, just because that was a book that just didn't transition well, literally. I mean, I mean if, if you had a literal translation of it into, into an animated movie. So, uh, yeah, The Dark Knight Returns is definitely on the top of my list. And I, I guess the feeling I'm in the minority more and more about year one, because <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> uh, really? I, well, I do, too. I, I like it. In terms of what you were saying earlier about the, the monologue, I think the monologue works better for that movie, um, for Batman, because he's a secondary character in that. Um, and I just like, I mean, I, for Batman Begins, uh, the relationship was, was created and transitioned very, very well for, for that movie between, uh, Jim Gordon and, and Batman. Uh, and I thought that it was done very well the same here. The animation was, 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 was amazing. Um, because I think, again, one of the, after I got into Nightfall and whatnot, um, I remember my mum coming home with, um, one of the English format comics, which are a lot considerably bigger than the, the American format comics. And she knew I, I like Batman, so she just picked me up a, a Batman comic, not realising, you know, she, what she was actually handing me. Um, I think it was only, um, I was only about 10 at the time myself, so it was kind of just handing, thinking it was just like a, you know, the TV series camp for Adam West, you know, it's a Batman <laughs> comic, off you go. Not realising it was, you know, touching on prostitutes, subjects, and, you know, all this, uh, this, uh, political stuff on that. And it was, when I first read it, it was like, wow, this is amazing. 
Um, and the first thing I read was the, 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 the SWAT team chasing Batman down through that. And I just thought that was transitioned really, because they captured that moment really well for me. That's one reason why I like that film, like the word I had to do. It's like on the, it's the third on my list of, of best Batman movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe it was the, um, the voice actors. I, I thought the guy who did, uh, Gordon was really good, but that, that guy who did, who did Bruce was, I don't want to say no. terrible, but it, it it was dry. I know what you mean. They, they, I think the the, the they they try. I think they tried to to play Batman down too much in that film, and in, in terms of making him a secondary character. I know that was obviously the aim of it, and, and that's what the story is all about. It's, it's more focused on Jim. Um, but I think you're right. I think if they could have, I, I you know, I, uh, Kevin Conroy would have been perfect. Uh, there would have been that. He's perfect like in any Batman role. Yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> Okay, so I guess we can move on to some Batman news, if you guys want to. If you guys don't want to, you know, you guys can just punch me in the face uh, virtually. <laughs> I think I'll go with that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the biggest thing in comics right now is the, of course, this upcoming death in the family, um, or death of the family, uh, Joker storyline, and these there's going to be some die-cut covers, um, and I'm assuming they're, all the die-cuts are going to be the eyes. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing, too. But, like, how are they going to do the Catwoman one? Because she has the goggles on. <laughs> that's a good point. They'll probably just wipe the goggles out, wouldn't they? We'll find or out. maybe just her eye part, like, like her eye, her eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but looking out of all the different ones that they have for all the characters, I mean... The Joker one just stands out as the best, just because of the whole thing of him cutting off his face. It just makes it upward to be right. the best one. <laughs> I also like the the Harley one and the the um, the Jason one. Those ones are pretty cool. Yeah, but still no Joker. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like the the Batman one and I'm I'm guessing the Dark Knight one are the, the same image. It looks like. So, like, the models are a little The color's a little different on his cow, too. One of them has is more of the blue tint on there. Well, the oh, other I see. Like black and gray. But essentially the same figure. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just the whole court, I mean, I was going to say court of house, but the whole death of the family storyline, I can't believe it's already here. I mean, I've been looking forward to this. It's almost kind of like a release of a new movie or something. <laughs> I mean, just there's a lot of hype going around it, but with Scott Snyder doing a Joker story, it's can't wait. Yeah, but but what I'm worried about is uh, is what happened to the Court of Owls, where we had, you know, good issues. Of course, the Batman ones. I think I like the Batgirl one, even. Um, oh, and, and of course, the Nightwing one. Um, but there were some issues that just were not good, and I'm just worried that it will lessen the, the, the greatness of the story. I yeah. mean, I kind of hate it when comics do that, uh, uh, comic crossovers, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping it'll be good. I'm really not too worried about the whole crossover thing. I mean, like you said, there were some Court of Night of the Owls crossover books that weren't that great, but for me, it didn't affect at all the quality of the main Batman book that was focusing on the Court of Owls storyline. So I think it's going to be the same with this. Well, maybe if there is going to be some books that aren't that good, it won't affect Scott Snyder's overall story no. he's telling in the pages of Batman. No, yeah, I yeah, think this well, is yeah. this is um, I think with any. Or for me anyway, if, if any any crossover storylines, I, I I still don't think um, any any of the uh, the, the major um, comic book um, publishers have got it right. 
in terms of, uh, I think, any, well, actually, no, I, I tell a lie, I think any time it was handled, prop, was handled well was, uh, I hate to say, with Marvel, with um, Civil War, with all their titles, they they were planned and they were they were all written consistently with each other and it, they built a really, really good There's too much of them, uh, Yeah, that, that was massive. Yeah. Um, but I think, in, as you were saying, um, Dane, with, um, you've got, when you've got a crossover, you've always got sometimes these issues that, that creep in as part of that, and they sometimes destroy the overall all feel of it. And I don't think uh, they've got it right, but DC have got it right so far. I don't think they let the head writer um, handle it as more as much as they should do. I think they get them all together. Right, we're going to do this massive story like um, sort of Scott Snyder is doing. Um, uh, Night of the Hours was was fantastic, um, but we think I think they should give it to Scott Snyder to say, right, okay, you've got control over how the rest of them. Uh, are shaped and feel and, you know, and and amplify your book, not the other way around. And not just right. Okay, this is the storyline. This is what we need to do X, Y, and Z. Off you go and write it. Um, and obviously, with um, the, the the death of the family, again, I'm looking forward to this one because it's not Scarlet going to bring it. And they couldn't. I'm glad they've let him bring the Joker back properly and not giving it to like Tony Daniel or whoever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's because it would have just been destroyed. They've given it to the right person. Uh, and they've waited the right amount of time to do it, obviously over a year now. Um, but I think you're right. I think there'll be the similar sort of thing again, where the rest of these side crossover uh, issues to the point where you don't read them at all, or you just and you just stick with with with, uh, with Scott stuff, um, or you know they'll they'll knock it out of the ballpark and you know they give it to Scott. They say, right, okay, you've got control of this. You tell the other writers what you need from them, and you know they'll amplify your book. And then get yeah, a crack on it, but I don't think they do that enough these days. Going off like Scott Snyder's uh, seeing a lot of the tweets he does, seems like he doesn't want to have total control over all the crossover titles. I think he wants the writers to have their freedom to do what they want to tell the story they want to tell, and just kind of have it not to mess, I guess, with anything that he's doing, just to kind of have it fit in. But he still wants them to have creative freedom over the story yeah. they want to tell. So. But I think that's where they get it wrong. I think that these are the perfect times and the perfect opportunity to 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 prove to, to the fan, the reader of these books, you know, we can do these crossovers properly because we give these big storylines to... I mean, I, I know I understand what Scott Snyder is saying. Like, he doesn't want to take it away from other writers, but he should be the one that lays down the foundation for it and, you know, come up with the, the massive... And basically everyone has to fit in with that. You know, not, not control what they've got to write, but, you know, they've got to go with the, the, the guidelines type thing of how his story wants to go. And I think if he controls how that, that operates, he could amplify his story even more because then you think to yourself, oh, I'll go and read that story now. Um, or and then suddenly it jumps back into, back from, uh, back girl, count whatever it is, back into his storyline. You think, oh, that's, you know, they, the connection's really, really well. They just kind of, all right, you know, it's part of the storyline. You know, it's a little bit here and there, but, you know, it doesn't have to be the, the end all and be all. I think that's where they get it wrong still. Yeah. Plus, he's the best writer out of all of us. So yeah. <laughs> it would be nice to have him in charge of everything. Exactly. I mean, um, I think. I mean, if I was in the, I would love to be in charge of of, of, of DC Comics or or any um, major comic publishing firm. Um, but I would. I mean, this should obviously be the the, the role of the um, the book editors as well. But for me, you've got these brilliant storyline areas. Um, you've got Batman, Superman, Green Lantern. There should always be the head writer who shapes all. And like Jeff Johns has done with the, the Green Lantern universe, all them books um, have um, spawned other titles now, uh, but they're still true to what he wrote. Yeah. Uh, and you can still see that he has overall control of how stuff 
kind of lands. If they turn around and say, oh, I want to do X, Y, and Z, automatically he'll go, you can't then here because I've got X, Y, and Z planned. And you can think that he shared that with the rest of them. Um, this is how we want the books, the direction we want to go um, in terms of this bigger storyline that we've got planned, um, you know, six, a year, two years down the line. So everyone's kind of aiming towards that. I don't get that feeling. That's how it's done with the Baron comics. They're all great. Here's all the family. Here's all our writers. Um, we've got this storyline coming up later on. Scott's doing this. Just make sure you stay on track with it. That's kind of how it feels. I'm going to contest um, Tim's statement by saying Scott Snyder is the best best writer on the Batman books. I agree, but... But? <laughs> how could you forget W. Hayden Blackman and J.H. Williams? How could you forget? Yeah, I didn't. That's why I said Scott Snyder is the best writer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> Well, J.H. Williams can beat up Scott Snyder any day, of, any day of the week. Yeah, but Scott Snyder has Greg Capullo to back him up. <laughs> yeah, but you see, J.H. Williams also has W. Hayden Blackman. Is he a big guy, too? <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, I'm just saying that because uh, I'm sure um, Greg Capullo can beat up anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one scary-looking dude. <laughs> Okay, so did you guys have anything else to say about uh, Death of the Family or um, the, the, the die cast, or not die cast, um, the die cut covers? Uh, just that I can't wait for it, even though it's coming out starting next Wednesday. It still seems like a long uh, I can't wait. <laughs> Batman 13, right? Yep. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> My comic shop better get it in, because last Nightwing in. That would suck, Tim, if you go down there all excited, it's like, yeah, I'm fucking going to read this, uh, and they don't have it. They didn't get I it didn't pay any bills, sorry, I didn't get our order in this week. <laughs> <laughs> or they forget to put it on my pool list, so then it's all sold. Uh, maybe we'll get abuse on our Facebook next week. They haven't got it in, you lot, damn you two. <laughs> I, I went into my comic shop on Wednesday, um, and the guy gave me my comics, and for some reason I had, like, all of the Green Lantern titles. Oh, that's good. Um, I think uh, um, Red Lantern, number zero, and, I don't know, another Green Lantern book, and I was like, I only buy Batman books. You guys know this. I've been coming here most of my life. <laughs> well, they're trying to get you into Green Lantern. It's been, been so good. I, I guess, but... <laughs> so you, so you bought them, right? <laughs> no, no, I had to take them out. So. That should be a rule. Whatever's in your pool list, you must buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get the Hello Kitty comic, and I have to buy it. <laughs> are there even Hello Kitty comics? <laughs> I don't know, but... I bet there are. That's why you said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a closeted... Hello Kitty fan. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so did you guys want to talk about the 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 Dark Knight Rises Blu-ray? Yeah, talk about trying to decide which ones to get. <laughs> yeah, you need to I, know. I haven't actually seen any of the listings of what's on the features, so list them up and let, let me see. Which one am I going to get? What do we okay, got? Okay, so for the Blu-ray combo pack, uh, which comes with a Blu-ray, a D- and Ultraviolet, which um, I think is the direct download. Yeah, that's all it is. You get Ending the Night, a comprehensive look into how director for Christopher Nolan and his production team made The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, I'm guessing it's a documentary because there's yeah. like a bunch of stuff listed. Um, yeah, it's like production, the prologue, Return to the Batcave, Beneath Gotham, the the Bat, Batman vs. Bane, etc. The chant, stuff like that. So it looks like they're just going to give you the option to either like watch these featurettes one by one, or just watch it as one big, I guess, documentary. Right, yeah. right. Which I, like you said earlier, I was kind of surprised that they're going this route. I mean, just with these featurettes that they have here, it's already better than the Dark Knight DVD or Blu-ray. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> But then again, they didn't have to try that hard. Yeah, I mean, these are actually new stuff, it looks like. I'm like, recycled TV specials. <laughs> yeah, and um, for the DVD, it looks like the only thing is this thing called The Journey of Bruce Wayne, which probably um, catalogs everything from the dark, uh, Batman Begins to Rises. And, of course, you get the, um, the ultraviolet thing. Yeah. Oh, and there's, there's also going to be... Um, uh, Dark Knight Trilogy Ultimate Collector's Edition, which sounds very expensive. That's the thing, where it's like, because they're releasing standalone Blu-ray, the Trilogy box set, but then they said later on in 2013 it's going to be the Ultimate Trilogy box set, <laughs> which they haven't really gave any information on, which I'm really uh, curious they are, but On that one, I really hope that's got the extra features for like um, the uncut scenes from the Dark Knight with uh, the Joker in it. Oh, how cool yeah. would that be? That's what I'm hoping for. Deleted scenes on that Ultimate Edition. That's all I want. <laughs> or I'll be happy. That'll make me happy. Isn't um there um the Batmobile documentary on it? Because they, they released a, a twenty minute version. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, it's got the full the, thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's on the Blu-ray combo pack. It's going to be longer, I believe, too, than what was on or what aired yeah. on TV over here. That was like twenty minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, the original one. This is like a, a full hour's worth of. Oh, see, that's what I'm going to sit and, and pour over. But that was cool. That was a TV special. I mean. They got rid of the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin Batmobile. It would have been perfect, but what are you going to do? <laughs> well. But yeah, the, that's what I'm debating. Because all these stores have their exclusives, too. I mean, you got, uh, I think Target has these Blu-ray Digibooks. <laughs> that look like, they're like a Blu-ray case with a Bane and Batman cover. which looks like it's like a booklet, almost. And then Best Buy has that steel tin case, which looks really cool. That's of the poster of the broken cowl. And I think one of them's getting like a exclusive Bane figure packed in there, too. Isn't that the Best Buy one? Yeah, I think so. But then again, Best Buy has the exclusive uh, Broken Cal statue that you get with it, so there's like tons of Oh, that's ones. lovely. Yeah. And then the Trilogy box, that looks cool, too. It's like, do I get all of them and then get the Ultimate Trilogy later? Because <laughs> they all just look cool, too cool not to have. Well, Tim, you're a Star Wars fan, so I'm sure you're used to taking You're used to, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know how many DVD copies I have of Star Wars. <laughs> I even got... Uh-oh the bootleg DVDs before the DVDs actually came out. Do you, do you have an original um, original print of the uh, A New Hope? <laughs> oh, man, I wish. <laughs> ah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you could just send that right over then, Bob. No, it's on VHS. <laughs> I even got the Star Wars uh, VCDs. Do you guys remember those? <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> It's like absolutely horrible, worse than VHS. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'll be getting a few of these Dark Knight Rises Blu-rays. Yeah, um, I'm sure I'm going to have to buy all of these. It, I mean, it pains me to say it because it's a lot of money. But I'm, I'm probably going to have to buy all of this. Yeah, I'll be the same. I'll get obviously on the, on its original release. I'll get the, the Dark Knight Rises just to go with the Blu-rays I've got. But once the Ultimate Collection comes out, that'll be it. Boom, that's mine. I think that Ultimate Collection. <laughs> Uh, announcements 
because uh, I thought that rumor of the extended cut, which I still think is never going to happen, but I, I don't think that rumor is going to die now, <laughs> now that the Ultimate Edition has been announced, because people are probably still going to think, ooh, that's going to be the extended cut with 45 minutes extra footage. Yeah, until uh, and, until they announce the what's going to be on that and we're all going to be let down there. It's just regular yeah. stuff. Oh, I don't know. I, 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 uh, my hat goes off to Warner Brothers. If that's the case, I mean, they know everyone's going to buy. Obviously, the, the diehard fans are going to buy the Dark Knight Rises anyway. And then, you know, just to release this Ultimate Edition afterwards. And if they don't tease anything extra, you know, the, the, the everyone just bought it, they go, well, I'm not going to bother with that. It's got everything I've already got. If there's something extra on there, then they know they're on all money winner there. That's like two copies of the same for us. going to... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's genius. Yeah, they know we're suckers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Especially you, Tim. Yep. <laughs> it's, what they, it's what they call it's, it's what they call the Star Wars model. These yeah. <laughs> <laughs> morons will buy anything new, actually. <laughs> yeah, and then and then like 15 years from now, we're gonna get um, this re-released. Dark Knight Trilogy Ultimate Collector's Edition and it's going to be all new CG and there's going to be like little new CG cutscenes yeah, and might, stuff. That might appear in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing I wish that the Ultimate Edition will have also but I'm also not getting my hopes up is a commentary. I would love to have a commentary for all three of these movies. Yeah. Does Christopher Nolan do that anymore? No, that's why I'm not getting my hopes up. Alright, so um, the cover art was also revealed um, and the retailer exclusives. See, why didn't I just read this? Oh, no, there's no information on it. <laughs> it's just <laughs> <a picture. laughs> It's just pictures. So, yeah, I, I see the, the Dark Knight trilogy um, box, Blu-ray box set. There's the picture of the DVD. Um, and there's a picture of the uh, the, the Best Buy exclusives. The I, I'm guessing that's the... The, um, the tin case. Yeah. That, was, that actually was nice. Yeah, it was really cool. Here's the question for you guys. If you could only get one, like, one cover, which one would you pick? I would have to get that collector's edition with the, um, with the call, the broken call. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the Bane figure, whichever. No, broken call. coming out with that. Broken yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's not cheap crap anymore. I mean, um, again, you know, after that, um, the bat, the battering for yeah, the battering asylum. from yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it's not cheap crap that's made in China. And it's plastic, and but the battering still looks good when you're looking at it from a distance, as long as you don't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> Put it all the way up on your shelf in the back. <laughs> People come to your house, and be like, "Oh my god, that's so nice!" Don't get any, but they won't know it's plastic. <laughs> But they don't. They all know it's plastic. I just hope it. Don't touch it. It's really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I, I guess that's it for everything, really, except for the comic reviews. We want to say, of course, spoilers. If you have not read comics from the past two weeks, you probably want to come back to this part later. Um, or if you're like Bob and you haven't read Court of Owls yet, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm getting there, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, well, I'll just spoil it for you, Bob. Uh, Batman dies at the end. They did what Dark Knight Rises didn't do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, if if you didn't read comics from the past two weeks, you probably want to come back to this. Um, but we are covering the weeks of September 26th 
and October 3rd for September 26th, we have The Dark Knight, number zero, Teen Titans, number zero, Talon, number zero, and Batman, Inc., number zero. For October 3rd, we have Batwing, number zero, and Detective Comics, number zero. So for this episode, our rating scale is going to be uh, bad haircuts we had when we were kids. <laughs> in honor of all. In honor of, yeah. Yeah, in honor of all of us. So, um, Bob... Being our guest of honor for the week of September 26th. Where do you want to start? Um, I can't find any because I haven't read them. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Hang on, which one have we got? Let's say again, 26. Yeah, 26. Dark Knight Zero, Teen Titans Zero, Talon Zero. Oh, okay, yep, sorry. Zero. My bad. Um, let's go with who should we first? Ooh, let's um, let's go with Batman Inc. first. All right. What did All you right. think? Um. I tell you what, before we go over the comic, the, the, the review, the, there is something I really need to get off my chest because it's really, and ever since I've spotted one of the zero issues, it's really, really annoyed the <laughs> out of me. <laughs> it's 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 at the back. Let's go to the back of the comic first with the who's who's. Uh, and, I know where you're going with it. <laughs> yeah, and and, and and the first appearances, right? I, I you know I, I I get the whole fifty two thing, you know, the reboot, but there's a reboot and then there's a let's completely just forget everything that we've done for the last 75 years, 70 years, wherever long it is, and, and just put all of our first appearances back to 2011. No, 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 no. This is not how it happened. All right, Batman's first appearance, okay, was, was, was not in Justice League 2000, all right? It was in Detective Comics 27, 1939, okay? I wrong there. Okay. That's where it happened. That's where it stays. It does not go into Justice League issue one, two thousand eleven. Okay. When I saw it, I had it was proper blind rage. I actually closed the comic book and put it down, and 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 it was like I just no, I can't go oh. any further. So that was going to be a bunch of like schoolyard arguments and fights about Batman's first appearance. No, it says right here Justice League number one. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I've I've got a bunch of of nineteen eighties who's who's who say otherwise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Bronze. Yeah, all right, that's where we're going with. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I just couldn't, you know, I was, when they, they said about the who's who's, I really, really was hoping they'd bring out proper who's who's editions and whatnot. But when they've gone down this route and, you know, they've referenced the new 52, which is fair enough, but, you know, there's a, there's a legacy behind all this, and I really wish they'd kind of referenced it somewhere. That would have just been nice, but I, don't know, I guess I understand where they're trying to go with it, but it just really, as a, as a long-term comic book fan, it's really annoyed me. Yeah, maybe have it say, like, first appearance, New 52, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah reference it, but not actually, you know, imply that. Yeah, it pained me. It really did pain me. Um, but that's it. That, that's, that, I, want to, I just want to get that out of the way first. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I was... Um, I'm going to sound like a moaning Nancy about all this now, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, Fraser um, Irvin's work. Um, but for me, I... I the artwork in this, this this comic, it just didn't do anything for me. It, in fact, it destroyed my, my it, it destroyed my will to actually carry on wanting to read it because it was just it's the colouring. The artwork was nice, but the colouring to this whole thing just didn't do anything for me to the point where it distracted me from actually what I was reading. Um, and I, I don't I don't know where to start to be honest with you. I'm, I'm trying to find a positive with this book. Um, that's one reason I want to start off with it because it was. I was trying. I was hoping to expect more from it, um, 
And um, the beginning, obviously, when he's, he's talking about, about it, it's kind of like the introduction again to, to the Batman Inc. and the whole idea around why he was doing it again, um, was really strong. And it was kind of, it reminded me again of the pre-52 stuff. And it was like, you know, this is, this is what it was all about. This is why they shouldn't have changed anything. Um, but just as it started to progress, it was just a lot of, it's just a lot of mishmash of, of, of storylines and, and it, the artwork just distracted me too much to the point where I didn't actually enjoy it at all. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I mean, it's not a decision to really be kind of boring. I mean, it's basically just showing you little bits of how Batman recruited the different members of Batman Incorporated. Yeah. And they're not very long mind. segments either. I mean, it was cool to see Knight Runner there again, but he was only on one panel. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. So, yeah, I just went through the mainly focused on, I think, the Australian guy. I think his name was Night Ranger or something like that. Yeah. That was the main one to focus on, but even still, that wasn't too captivating to really make me care about the issue. And then certain pages, you'll see Man of Bats again, the Batman of Japan. Yeah, then, like you said with the artwork, Bob, I was never really even a fan of uh, Fraser Irving to begin with. And then when I saw he was on this one, I was like, yeah, it kind of reminded me why I wasn't too much of a fan of his. Yeah, but I just don't think it fits Batman. I don't know if you you ever um, read the um, um, the Azrael um, miniseries um, during uh, Return of the uh, of um, was it R.I.P. Was it during R.I.P. I think it was R.I.P. Which is after R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, the Return. And the 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 artwork he did in that was absolutely fantastic, and the colouring it was amazing. And it actually looked like it was, you know, proper, you know, real, not real life stuff. You know, it was getting close to um, Alex Ross stuff. But this time around, I don't know what it was. This whole, uh, the colouring was just terrible. It just looked like, you know, things have been cut out and pasted on top of different pages. And, you know, my kids could have done a better job with this if they, <laughs> you know, chopped a couple of comics up and put them together. And it just seems like. This wasn't anything Grant Morrison really wanted to tell. It was like he was kind of forced to do it just yeah. because of the whole zero issue thing. So he had to kind of do like an origin for some of these characters. It just really, I don't doesn't seem like it's going to really add up to anything. Yeah, to the point, you know what? Where I don't think he even wrote it. He might have been just had a ghostwriter for him, and they just slapped his name on top of it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but probably the only really cool sequence that I thought was pretty cool was when uh, at the end where Batman was uh, going with the Batman of Australia, I guess, where they throw the batterings and he throws his boomerang. Then at the very end, uh, that saw comes chasing back to him. Batman just grabs it right before it's about to cut his head off. <laughs> and then he's like, say something where uh, like, it all comes around in the end or something like that. And then the very last page, we see that the other Batman saved Batman by catching the battering in front of his head, <laughs> in front of the back. That's probably the only sequence I thought was kind of memorable and <laughs> pretty neat. But other than that, I just thought it was going to be really boring. So if I had to score it, I'd probably just give it Two bad haircuts we had as kids out of five. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you gotta say uh, the amount of yep, yups of whatever the score I give. <laughs> yeah. But, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if there's something really bad, you want to say too much. What would you score, Bob? Uh, yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually read that many since the third issue of the re, uh, uh, pre-New 52, so I have no clue what's going on in that book. Um, okay, so, Tim, you want to take Talon? Sure. Cool. So, for this one, I kind of wanted to, curious to see how it's actually all going to be, because you got Scott Snyder kind of being the co-plotter of the whole story, along with uh, James Tinian. 
So it has that going for it, but I just wasn't sure how the story was going to feel because to me it just sounded like a cash-in on the whole Court of Owls success, so they wanted to hurry up and get a character out from the Court of Owls to kind of just, I guess, to milk the <laughs> Court of Owls name since it's so hot right now. But um, I actually enjoyed the issue a lot. But the thing I'm worried about is how it's going to be as an ongoing series. I think it might make a good miniseries with this character, but I just get the feeling it's going to be the same old thing where he's trying to run away from the court and they're trying to get him back, and every issue is him escaping a different talent or a different member of the Court of Owls or something like that. So he's Azrael then. <laughs> it's kind of seemed like that's what it's going to be each issue. So, But it did work for this zero issue. I like the character who was pretty much had, like the, all the other talents, had a rough childhood, who was like kept in a cage by his dad, but then found, he was able to escape by himself, and then he kind of became well-known as an escape artist. And so he got into Haley's Circus, which is where, as we learned from the Court of Owls, is where they recruit their talents. So he, was as a kid, was recruited by them. But the thing that makes him different, of course, is that he still has a like a moral code where he wouldn't kill just anyone. They pretty much just poisoned his mind. We're saying he was doing this for justice. He was killing bad people. But when he was sent to kill a mother and a child, just to end the legacy of this wealthy person, he couldn't do it. So he was now he's on the run for them. I mean, it's a good story, but like I said, I just don't know how it's going to be as an ongoing, where if it's going to be the same thing over and over again. But he did have a good backstory, which I enjoyed. So for this zero issue, I thought it worked. I'm just curious to see how it's going to continue on if it's just going to just be the same thing over and over again. So if I had to score it, I'd probably give it three bad haircuts that we had as kids out of five. All right. Um, Bob, did you read that? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, uh, I managed to uh, skip through this one, and um, from what I could see, it, I mean, the artwork's not too bad. Um, it doesn't shout about, but uh, apart from that, it, it was um, it seemed to have been plotted quite well. And, I mean, I'm, I would think I was... I think they've sold this book... Um, under the, the 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 Scott Snyder premise, which obviously is incorrect, it's it's him and uh, who was the other chap who wrote this? James Tinian, the fourth. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I think you know, that, and obviously you can tell that you know he's going to hand the book over to him to to probably carry on. Um, but it's a shame because obviously these, these characters have, have stemmed from um, from Scott Snyder, so you would kind of him up there, but I know he's got quite a few titles he's probably handed anyway, and you know he's been put up on a pedestal by everyone, so it's probably you don't want to carry on with that, that type of that uh, comic but um, it didn't look too bad but from what you've said uh, Tim I think maybe you're right it one of these things that you know how long can they stretch that you know I'm on the run storyline yeah, uh, exactly. until it gets too old and then um, maybe they I think with this guy that they need to come up with a, a suitable um, villain for him straight away if they, they, if they prolong the, 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 the ultimate villain for him for too long uh, then I think that's where it's going to um, Probably fall down, and I think that's for me. That's where um, pre um, New Fifty Two is where like Red Robin went wrong. They never gave him a really concrete villain to go up against straight away. So he was running towards Rachel Ghoul, but he was always chopping and changing between like the mini assassins and Rach, and you know it never felt consistent for me. So I think with these characters, if they want to get them off the ground quick enough and, and properly, they need to give them their their arch nemesis quickly. And, and create that foundation between that that antagonist between them two. So if they don't do that, I think that's probably where this will fail. Yeah, you can almost, at least for for me, anyway, you kind of see how it's going to be plotted out in future issues. Because he, more than likely, he's probably going to meet a girl on the way, and then yeah. she's going to get mixed in with the whole thing, and then both of them will be on the run, traveling like maybe 
mm-hmm. city to city, country to country, trying to escape. Yeah, with a kid. Yeah. They should introduce us somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll get captured, and they'll say, well, let her go if you come back and all that stuff. So. All right, so, so what would you guys give it? So I give it three bad haircuts we had as kids. Yeah, I'll give it three bad haircuts, too. Very cool. I haven't read it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, so let's move on to Teen Titans number zero. Ah. Oh wait, wait. First of all, I have to say I, I think I said Batwing number zero and Detective Comics number zero. I meant Batwing number thirteen and Detective Comics number thirteen. Yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Tim's fault. Just blame him. <laughs> but um, Teen Titans. Let's start with Bob. Right. Where should we start on this one? <laughs> okay. Right. Um, on the whole, right. And the, the first thing for this is um, the artwork. Um, I am an absolute massive fan of um, Tyler Kirkham. I think he's absolutely fantastic drawer. Um, anything they put him on for me is is a winner and a seller. I just absolutely love his artwork. He just can draw beautifully action sequences and the colour and draw that he does if he's coming through is just spot on so no matter what I think this was I was excited to see that he was obviously carrying on with this title and on this title so um, as soon as I saw it jump off the page it was like yeah this is going to be good um, and on the whole um, I, I wasn't too I was, I was impressed with it um, the, as a diehard fan of of Tim Drake and, and, and Robin um, and you know, for me, I mean, I, I, I've been with 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 Tim Drake since the beginning um, when he was uh, first introduced um, in the Batman titles, and then when he got his his, his own mini series. Uh, I've got every single one of his issues, and you know, I've I've kind of sort of grown up with him, so to speak. And you know, I, I know his history. So for them to in, in for this this storyline in terms of them explaining how um, he became Robin and They've changed too much in my mind, um, in terms of uh, the, 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 um, the, the, the penguin coming after him, realizing there's a secret. The penguin coming after him, um, them going into witness protection, and then um, Bruce taking on. They've basically destroyed probably about five years worth of storyline for Robin. Um, uh, and it's it was and you're wrong. The, the way they tried to handle it was very cleverly done. You know, they've done a good job of trying to fit all that into. Um, you know, a very small space now for the new 52, but with how he, instead of him becoming Robin straight away, he's actually Red Robin. Um, I don't agree with. I just basically he was Batman's third Robin, and he was for a considerable amount of time for him to basically just say, no, actually, I came in as Red Robin. Uh, that's the probably the biggest issue that I've got um, with the whole storyline. It just didn't. It's too quick for me. And as I say, they've destroyed too much of his massive family line. I mean, for, for God's sake, the, one of the biggest storylines he was ever involved with, with um, outside of the Batman universe, was with um, Infinite Crisis, where his, his uh, father gets killed from uh, Infinite Crisis, where his dad gets killed by uh, Captain Boomerang. Yeah, so uh, Identity Crisis. Identity Crisis. Yeah. So the whole thing, boom, it's like, well, where's that all gone? You know, that's that's where the relationship between him and Bruce really kicked off in terms of him adopting him properly, you know, and, you know, that period where he wasn't Robin for a while and he was just a normal kid and, you know, trying to deal with all that. And it was, they've taken away too much too quickly for me. Um, So I'm I'm in the middle. On on one side, they've handled it really well. 
in terms of fitting it all into that, that small space of time, it's very well written, but they've just taken away too much in my mind. So I'm, 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 I've got mixed feelings about it. Um, and as the who's who at the end says, his first appearance was in, in Teen, uh, Teen Titans. No, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> it, it was in, in, Rubber, in Red Robin, or Robin um, 1993, I think it was. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you tell him, Bob. <laughs> but, but wasn't Tim's first appearance in, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the storyline. The one with Two-Face. Well, he was, uh, he was around for Tim Robin. For, for yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, after, just, oh, it was before that. I mean, um, ugh, it was just before Nightfall. He started coming to it properly, actually. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just the, I mean, even Robin's Tim Drake's original Robin costume was well, was cool. Yeah. You know, they they updated it from the um, the TV series Jason Todd era. You know, with the, the boot, the the elf boots and whatnot. You know, his Robin's costume was cool. In the animated series, his costume was cool. The figure that I remember again, he was like, yeah, I don't know, I, I'd, I'd, I'd stick that on to run around with Batman. That was an awesome costume. And then they've introduced him as, as Robin. You know, he's in his red costume that he originally had. But he chose that costume after his father was killed. You know, he changed all that after that period. So, you know, it's just basically too much too too soon for me. Yeah, I think the whole thing with his red costume was it, wasn't it to honor uh, Superboy after he died? That's right, yes, it was, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, for me going into this issue, I was expecting to hate it. I mean, the whole, when I first found out about Tim Drake always being Red Robin, I mean, I really hated that idea. But uh, I wanted to see exactly what they were going to do, so I picked this up and was expecting the worst. But I'm going to have to agree with you, Bob. It was kind of in the middle, like you said. I think overall the story they told here was, was good. It's a good origin story, but just the fact that we know what Tim's previous origin story is is kind of what kills it. Mm. I mean, I think if there's a new reader who knows nothing about Tim Drake and this is their first exposure to his origin, I think they're going to think, oh, this is a good story and a good origin story for Robin. Because yeah. I like how it does differ, make him different from uh, Jason and Dick, saying he has no tragedy with his family and he's just motivated to be the best he is. And I like that aspect where they're making him different from the other Robins. But the one thing I didn't like was how he did not uh, find out who Bruce actually was. I mean, that was kind of his claim to fame before. Exactly. Yeah. But the Bruce just kind of left all these clues for him to find that he orchestrated. He had no intention to letting him find out he was really Bruce Wayne until that whole incident with the Penguin happened with his parents. Well, they kind of did that with, with Dick. Yeah, so I think they switched it over. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's a good story, like I said, but just, uh, just in the back of your head saying, no, this isn't the Tim Drake we know and love, <laughs> this, this story that we know and love, and the costume, and even... I still don't get why they decided to change it to Red Robin all the time. I mean, he's wearing the Robin costume. He has the R right there. If he was yeah. be Red Robin, you think he'd have two R's or something. I think the only reason they did that, because that last page of him and Batman was from, uh, I think Teen Titans number one, before they decided to change his origins to where he was never Robin. And so I think they were kind of stuck with that. Because <laughs> everyone yeah. would point to that. No, he actually had that costume before. So yeah, I'm probably going to give this one two and a half bad haircuts out of a five. Just, it's good, but the back of your head just keeps going. No, I just prefer the Tim's original origin story yeah. better. I just, yeah, I think you're right. It's for a new reader, you know, brilliant. Well, well told, you know, it, it draws it, and that's exactly what they're, and they're not trying to focus on the old 52, which is, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy that they're keeping consistent, but I think for the, the diehard fans and the ones who have been with that character the longest, it's probably one of the biggest kicks in the teeth you could have probably read at the end of that. It was like, no, yeah. just 
changed everything. There's so many good storylines from from Robin, his his own ongoing series, and you know what what happened with him. It's just it's just just a shame. And you know, for me, I, I, if anything, I'd I'd be the opposite. I would rather them wipe out wipe out the well, quite slightly that he was actually Red Robin for that. You know, before the New Fifty Two. You know, I, I would be happy just to forget all about it and not even pretend it ever, you know, ever happened at all. Um, and then just going right, he was Robin, and then he went to be Red Robin in the Teen Titans. So yeah, that. I still don't get what the, that purpose of him actually being Red Robin all the time serves. Like, what's the point of it? I don't think it's going to have any dramatic effect on any main storyline coming up in the future. I mean, is him and Jason going to have a showdown or something? And he's going to say, "Well, I actually never." Was Robin out of respect to you or something like that? Is that what they're building towards? I mean, why did they do yeah, that? It could be. Yeah. <laughs> if they do go that route, I still don't think it's worth it that they change it because of that. Yeah. On the whole, though, I think I'd give it, um, just because of the artwork, I'd give it three out of five. Maybe three and a half out of five. Uh, no, three and a half out of five. I just think the artwork it was, was, was amazing. Yeah, the artwork was good. Three and a half out of five, what, Bob? <laughs> Bad haircuts that we had in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, your score is not official until you say all of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess I'll take the Dark Knight number zero since I haven't read the first three books that we covered. The one book you read in the black. <laughs> um, I like this issue. Uh, uh, first off, I'm I'm glad that you know Greg was decided to not do anything with with the murder of Bruce Wayne's or Bruce's parents. And, you know, of course, Joe Chill. Um, yeah, there was a conspiracy behind the Wayne's murder, um, like the solicit said, I think. But but it's not what we think when we think of the word conspiracy. But, I mean, Hurwitz really couldn't change it, even if he tried. I mean, it, it, if he did, it, it would have just been Batman 89 all over again. So so I'm glad that, that Hurwitz didn't do anything with that. But what I really liked was Hurwitz led us up to what we already know. Because, I mean, all of us who are Batman fans know what happened. And um, I like how he led us up to to that. Um, you know, with Bruce devoting his, his entire early life to finding the meaning in his parents' murder because he wants to, to believe that they're there's something there that um, there really isn't. There really isn't there, which is which is sad when you think about it. Um, because, like I said, Bruce devotes his entire young life to finding the meaning where there is none. I mean, he he goes back to Crime Alley uh, shortly after the murders and ends up being assaulted bum who takes uh, Thomas Wayne's watch. Uh, he he doesn't have a social life while he's away at school. He he risks his life at a at a bar to get Joe Chill's address. Um, all of that so so Bruce could hear from Joe Chill uh, himself that that Chill was just trying to get some money and got spooked. But yeah, I I think that's where Hurwitz succeeds the most. You know, um, is the fact that he takes one of the oldest and most repeated stories and comics and doesn't change it at all um but what he does do is he he breathes new life into it and mm. you know he um it, it it gives the product of that story some new elements which of course is bruce it gives bruce new elements you know for his story um 
you know, after his parents' death, lonely and sad and angry, you know, he tries tries to find the truth of conspiracy behind his parents' murder because he he's convinced that there has to be there has to be one. And with that, I think Hurwitz makes Bruce a little more human because it's it's just one of those situations where where you know you're right because you you have to be right, but you only hurt yourself more by thinking that. You know, the the art was also good. I I, I thought I was gonna miss Finch. Uh but but it's good to know that he can be replaced. And, and you know, if he, if these two guys are regulars on the book then I would totally go for that. Yeah, so overall there there isn't much to say about this issue because we we know of these circumstances and um you know, this new element that Hurwitz introduced in this issue says says a lot about Bruce and has a new something, you know, to to where he's coming from. So I would probably give this a four uh, a bad haircuts when we had when we were kids out of five. Yeah, for me, I was real worried going into this issue about how they were going to handle the Wayne murders. I mean, I'm sure everybody that read that yeah. was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll just listen to you said to find out the conspiracy behind the Wayne murder. They're like, oh, no, they're going to have a this big old complicated thing that, where it should only just be a simple crime that happened in an alley. And like you said, Dane, much to my delight, that's exactly how it ended up being. And it worked really good, too, where you're expecting it to be that, because Bruce just had that belief that it couldn't just be some meaningless uh, mugging and crime. It had to be something more because his dad was a kind of like a powerful figure in Gotham. But then, and then when he finds out that it was just a mugging gone wrong and how Joe Chill just got spooked, and just to kind of see the disbelief and anger in Bruce's face. I and mean, it, it did kind of tie in all together nicely where it wasn't a big conspiracy. It's kind of how I, I think Greg Hurwitz knew that that's what fans kind of like his origin to be. And it, just, it was just made for a good payoff. But the thing that kind of disappoints me a little bit about it was that I always, from an old Batman story that I read where his confrontation with Joe Chill, I wish he would have confronted him for the first time as Batman I wish he would go on for a while, not ever finding Joe Chill until later as Batman, and just kind of confronting him as Batman and then revealing him to self, himself as Bruce Wayne, which is how it was done in the Untold Legend of the Batman comic series, which I read when I was a kid. That's pretty much always stuck out to me, his final, his first confrontation with Joe Chill and revealing himself to him. It also made for that great episode in uh, Brave and the Bold where he revealed himself yeah. to Joe Chill. I just love that moment where he takes off his mask and says, I am Bruce Wayne. He's had that shock on Joe Chill's face knowing that he created Batman. <laughs> so that was probably my only disappointment with it. Because it sounded like they were going with the whole uh, little bit of Batman Begins where before he goes off to train as Batman, uh, his, the whole situation with Joe Chill is over with. I mean, Batman Begins, he gets killed. And in this one, it's resolved where he knows why his parents died. And it even went this kind of similar route where he had the gun and he was going to kill him. But in this one, uh, he just doesn't go through with it and then just goes off on his training. So other than that, it was a, I thought it was a great issue. Just wish it was as Batman is when he confronted him later on in the future. So I'd probably give it three and a half bad haircuts out of five. Much to say I was relieved. <laughs> <laughs> did you read it, Bob? I did, I did. Um, now, see, I, I came into this without reading the solicitation, so I wasn't, I, w- I didn't even know what to expect when I was, when I was going through this one. Um, and I was about to say, this is probably one of the best uh, Batman stories I've read in a long time. 
uh, until what you've just said there, um, Tim referenced obviously the the original Joe Chill story when he confronts him as Batman. I think you're right. That should have definitely been a, one of the big elements of it. Um, just you know that that's plant that seed for Joe Chill knowing that oh, oh bugger, I'm the one who actually created Batman. Yeah. It's all my fault. Um, and yeah, what they did in the Brave and the Bold series was, was just fantastic. Um, but on the whole, um, I was pleasantly. There's hardly any Batman in it. They actually seem dressed as Batman, do you? Until the end? No, um, no, not even. No, no, no. You didn't yeah. see it. No, this is actually it's a Batman comic, and you don't see him as Batman. It's added in one of the best Bruce Wayne elements I think I've ever read in terms of you know him as, as a charge thinking all oh, this. There's got to be some massive conspiracy behind this, just to find out it was just a senseless um, uh, mugging that went you know horribly wrong. So um, just just seeing that. Just adding that extra layer of, of that Bruce Wayne, we don't we have we do they've tried to do it here and there, but they've been doing it very often. But this time round, it's been done right, and I was really happy to see that. I was like this is when I finished reading, I thought that was really good. I really enjoyed that, and you know it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes when you just you know flick through it again and just think the artwork in it is brilliant. Um, you said these these two guys you know moving forward on on this title if um, David Finch has to leave. Um, you know, they would work well together, and if it's what he can produce, this is I'm, I'm happy with that. It was just the, seeing you know, that that shift. You can see obviously up to the point where he was Bruce Wayne uh, as, as a young boy, and then realizes actually, you know, this is there uh, was just a senseless ki- um, killing, and then then you see him a bit older, and then he starts you know going on this crusade. Um, it just gives that extra element to it, and you know, seeing. A Bruce Wayne young as a young boy story was really well done, really really executed. I was very happy with it. So one of my favourite ones I've read for a long, long time. If I had to score, I'd probably go as far as um, obviously now. Well, you you ever referenced him? I'd probably go with a four point five out of five. Out of five, five. <laughs> oh, sorry, the um, that hairdos that we have when we were seven years. Sorry, <laughs> this damn this new format. <laughs> Pretty soon it'll start rolling off your tongue. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> Another thing real quick, too, I forgot to mention. I love that right before the issue, I there's those two panels where you see Bruce in the rain. There's, like, that painting of a clown. And then as the rain starts going yeah, off, it starts to shape and kind of look like the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that, that was a nice touch. Yeah. Okay, so that ends that week. And for October 3rd, or next week... We have Batwing number 13, Tim. That's <laughs> still going. Is, is Batwing still going? I couldn't get past the yeah. first issue on that. It's really? Really? I, I thought the first run was the best. No, it's it, it's dipped in quality a bit. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> it's become a bit of a train wreck. Not quite a train wreck, but it's like yeah. <laughs> it looks like it might be heading, heading down there. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so so like I said, we have Batwing number 13, Detective Comics number 13. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, what number was it again? 13. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, Tim. Yes. Batwing, Batwing number 13, what did you think? Batwing number zero, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so kind of what we alluded to it is sort starting to dip down a little bit in the quality or the storytelling. I sad to say. <laughs> I mean, ever since the first run with him and his uh, massacre, it was good. But then we got the second one with uh, I forget the guy's name, Lord Battle or something like that. <laughs> Where he teamed up with the National. How do you take him down? You take him out of his homeland or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 
So this one just looks like now he's going to go up against with this cult who their leader is able to take the control of different people who's controlling their mind and making them do the things that he wants them to. And then we kind of saw it coming where it looks like uh, for Batwing and David, he was going to get control of him, which it does happen a little bit. But then it looks like he was able to get out of it. And then it just, it's just a forgettable story, really, because it's basically the police, one police officer and David as Batwing trying to stop this cult from uh, their murdering that they do for their cult and their leader. You know, I'm getting kind of sick of these cult stories. Mm. Like these evil cults. I think it was Batgirl number zero we had one. And uh, I don't know if you can, you, you can count Dollhouse as one, but, but I don't know. It's Or Dollmaker, I should say. Well, but, they were connected, him and Dollhouse. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know, I'm just kind of sick of the whole cult thing. Yeah, one thing I didn't like in this was that um, interrogation that Batwing was doing. We kind of had like a hologram of himself as Batwing. Really? I like that. I thought it was kind of, I don't know, kind of like a, if it was Batman, I don't think he would do that. Batman would physically be there <laughs> interrogating someone. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's cool technology, yeah, but this, I don't know, as a character, it didn't make him look as tough as Batman would be in that situation. <laughs> it didn't even work anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I was kind of expecting, um, I don't know if it's even going to go this for the next issue, but how it ended, where all those members of the cult are about to kill that, uh, I don't remember that person, that other girl who was in the beginning who had like those um, electronic swords, like those swords that were charged with electricity or something like that. Yeah. Well, and, and, the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite that good. <laughs> Did you get her confused with um, Kia? Yeah, that that other officer who was there, right? The one who wouldn't take the money. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, yeah. she does take the money. Yeah. Yeah, she does take. Yeah, the I thought. Yeah, I did think that was her. But at the end, where David comes, I don't know if he's under the mind control or if he's actually still there to help. Because all he says is, "No one will need to run." I mean, is he there to help or is he there to kind of finish the job for this cult and killing everyone that's there? And then he's going to have to fight that other girl. So yeah, all in all, it's a forgettable story. <laughs> at least this issue, I don't think it's going to pick up however long it lasts. So. I'm probably going to give this one right. just two bad haircuts we had at his kids as well, out of five. <laughs> that was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little more optimistic about this story than you are, Tim. I think that this issue is a step in the right direction because after, after that story with Lord Battle and Long and that Zero issue where we had that, that guy that was a ripoff of Lord Battle... Uh-huh. Um, I, I want to see something, you know, more like the first story that we got with Massacre. Yeah. Um, and this story kind of seems to be heading in that direction. I don't know if I can see that fully, yet, but it, sort of getting that feeling. Well, first off, David is back in Africa, and there hasn't been anyone from Gotham or anywhere else in this um, in this story. Yeah, but then uh, so again, they, they introduced this new character who's like another team up for him. Is he ever going to get another story where it's right. just focusing on him as Batwing and not having some other hero it, make their it way? It is another team up, but it's an African hero. And maybe, I mean, Judd Winnick isn't on this book anymore, but maybe they're trying to build up, you know, a cast of characters. Yeah, but he's, he's still a new character to me, which I think they, sh- they should focus right. more, story should focus more on him for now. They haven't done that since the first arc, which right, that even yeah. had some team-ups in it, too. Yeah. 
Um, but anyways, I, I really like the villain also. Uh, he's not a very big guy, you know, who's going to challenge Batwing physically, kind of like, you know, Bane is for Batman. Uh, he, he's a guy who challenges Batwing mentally, and it's, it, it's great to see that after, you know, we've seen him fight Lord Battle and that, that dragon monster long or whatever, yeah. whatever the hell that was. Um, and, you know, wait, wait, of course, that guy... A dragon? No, it's like a guy that can turn into a dragon. Ah. He's, from, he's from China. <laughs> yeah, like, um, where's the dialogue where he goes... I forget <laughs> his name, but you know, he turns into a dragon and goes, do you know what this name means? It means dragon. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that was... That, that kind of took me out of that book, um, or this book, for a little bit. But I really like this this um this you know this this father lost is is that his name yeah yeah he he he's a pretty creepy villain and you know his his cult members are pretty creepy um you know they fight and brainwash and sacrifice people for their god and you know they also have another defense strategy which is to commit mass suicide you know it's, it, it seems. Like Father Loss and his cult are a real threat to Batwing, and um, you know by saying that I mean David is gonna have to use in his power suit to, to take these guys down, um, or at least that's what I'm hoping um, will be the case because you know this book has been, just been so inconsistent. Um, you just never know what else I like from this book. You, you see, Tim, you just reminded me everything that's bad about this issue. <laughs> you have a much higher score in mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a much higher score in mine, but then that kind of went out the door when you started talking. Um, let's see. Oh, I, I, I liked how uh, Winnick used um, Kia more, and that you know she's not just a background character who has a few lines and then and then disappears. You know, she she's an actual part. Of of the story this time. I mean, it seems like she can stand on her her own two feet. You know, when she says she wants to rescue her sister, um, I, was, I also liked how she accepted the bribe or the the stolen money um, because she she didn't want to be ostracized like David is. You know, it yeah. it, it just adds another layer to her character. Um, you know, yeah, she's a good cop, but you know, she also does the things that David objects to. As for Dawn, I, I don't really feel she's necessary in the story. Like you said, maybe they should just focus on David and not have, you know, a supporting character. But who knows? I mean, maybe she could be a good villain. You know, I, I just don't have much else to say. Thanks a lot, Tim. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, oh, the, 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 Mar- the Marcus part was pretty good. As always, and um, I really like the cover with you know Father Loss covered in and all that blood. Yeah, it's a creepy was cover. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a pretty creepy cover. Um, yeah, so I'd probably give it a three. Nah, not a three. <laughs> a two and a half <laughs> out of five uh, bad haircuts we had when we we were kids. So I brought you down closer to my school. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I was originally gonna give it a three and a half, but. You had some good points. <laughs> okay, so, the Death of Comics, number 13. 
Tim. Yes. What did you think? I, I like this issue. I mean, we haven't said that too much about Detective Comics since <laughs> I think issue number one and then the zero For issue. For a year we haven't yeah. said that. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing, like, amazing or great. But I think it's just a good, like, fun story for Batman that you read here. I like the, the plot of it where Penguin's out to assassinate Bruce Wayne because Penguin wants to start, I guess, being recognized more on a social level as a good guy by having his name on a new foundation uh, that uh, Bruce was going to have Martha's name be on, but now Penguin wants it to be on the Cobblepot name. So he wants Bruce Wayne taken out. But at the same time, he needs to distract Batman from saving Bruce Wayne <laughs> So he hires these assassins called the Ghost Dragons to in different locations of Gotham to distract Batman. So at the same time, he's wondering why Bruce Wayne isn't showing up, but it's because his assassins are keeping Batman busy. I just like that dynamic of a, for the plot. But the, my probably one complaint I have again is the penguins being used again, <laughs> which we kind of knew going into the story as we saw the solicitations and just by the cover. But he's again being overused in other stories, but I think he works well on this one. It makes more sense for his character to do something like this. And then the artwork in this issue is really good. I mean, it kind of does have that uh, David Finch quality to David Finch art quality to it by uh, Jason Fabok. Which yeah, he took over um, for David Finch for a little bit on uh, Dark Knight. Yeah, that's what I was I yeah. remember what exactly it was he took over for. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, I wouldn't say not quite as good, but it's definitely up there. His Batman drawings in this comic are really cool. Especially that first uh, splash page they have on there where are just looking down at all the crooks he's beaten up. <laughs> it's just an awesome shot. So, yeah, we're all... It's a, I think it's just a good, fun issue. And then in the backup, too, it kind of tied in with it, which uh, the previous detective backups haven't been doing with that whole Two-Face thing. This one kind of gave you like a behind-the-scenes of uh, the Penguin setting up his scheme to keep Batman distracted. So, yeah, overall, I thought it was a good, fun issue. I'd give it... Probably three and a half bad haircuts out of five. Um, finally, uh, <laughs> Detective Comics issue I didn't skim through. <laughs> I <laughs> just sat down and read. Yeah, this this issue was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the perfect word to describe it, I think. Yeah, and, and I liked it for the most part. Um, it's pretty obvious. It was light years ahead of what Tony Daniels was doing on the book, and it it, it meant much more than... Tony Daniels' eleven issue or twelve issues. For one thing, I I really I really like John Layman's Batman. You know, his Batman is you know equal parts and an unstoppable force. You know, beating people up, and, you know, putting the fear in them. But he's also an actual detective, unlike you know Tony Daniels. Yeah, it's actually like the story is finally living up to the detective title of the comic. We actually had to do some detective work to figure out what's going on, which is great. Yeah, so he he's you know. Like I said, equal parts, unstoppable force, and, you know, a detective. And that's what was lacking in this book. Um, you know, it was great seeing Bruce piece together threads of clues, like like figuring out that the robberies in the beginning were connected and that they were just the ruse to distract Batman so that Penguin and those ghost train guys could assassinate Bruce. And, you know, the other thing, too, is... It was kind of funny, especially that first part where um, Bruce is taking down some random thugs, and or he's taking these guys down, and while he's doing that, he's saying that he makes donations to different charities yeah, to compensate for all the the damage Batman does. Yeah, he goes, I'm not, I don't feel bad about putting these people in the hospital because I donated these, this much money, though. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, this issue had everything that makes Detective Comics, you know, a good book, and it's it's great to see that the book seems to be on on the right track. I'm going to use that that word seems because it could take a turn for the worse. Um, and even though I'm really sick of Penguin because he's in every book and he has a lot of crappy plans that never go through, and he's behind everything and he's he's everywhere. Um, I did like seeing him win for once by renaming it the the new wing of the Children's Center um, after his own mother. Um, I think her name is Esther. Yeah. Cobblepot. Um, and you know, of course, he he steals Bruce's thunder, even though it probably won't last. Um, it, it was just great to see him win for once. It was almost refreshing to see. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't just because you're kind of maybe expecting Batman will get there in time. He figured it out, so when he gets there, everything will be taken care of. But yeah, when yeah. he walks in, it's already done. Penguin already has the name on there. Right, right. Uh, but I'm afraid that you know uh, I'll get sick of Penguin again. So, so I guess I'm lucky that this is only a two issue story. Yeah. Because it'll be two and done. And another thing too about the the Penguin and his plan it, it, in this story, it seems like. It's real and legit, and not just a crap-written plan that, that's there just to be there so Penguin can be the villain that's controlling everything. I also really like the Ghost Dragons and, and how they played into Penguin's whole plan with the robberies and the, the assassination of Bruce. Um, they weren't just tacked on, and you know they don't seem to be a generic rip-off of something. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it, it seems they're like they're the a legit organization. Yeah. yeah, they're not the ripoff of the Talons or, or or anything else. It seems like they're legit and they're written pretty good. And I, I really like their design too. Yeah, they were with the demon masks. I mean, we've seen that countless times in Batman, in um, you know, the Bat books. But they look really good here in, in this book. I also liked um. You know, believe it or not, that, that minor character Ogilvy, is that his name? His uh, Penguin's assistant, right? Or yeah, his, his, uh, yeah, his right-hand man. <laughs> yeah, he, he seems to be, you know, Penguin's right-hand man. And I want to see where his his story goes because it's like he's under Penguin, but it, it's, he's, like, smarter than him. I mean, it, it, especially after reading that backup, the, the, the backup story where he kills that Martin guy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, overall, I have to say this was an awesome issue all of the and, and it's it's really weird saying that about detective because we i haven't been able to say that ever since uh scott snyder ended his run but yeah all of the plot elements work together really nicely and it was also good to see nightwing uh hell batman you know it's it seems like like the penguin he's there not just to be there, he's there as an integral part of the story, you know, helping Bruce, you know, take care of these robberies and stuff. I also like the backup story, uh, like I said, with that Ogilvy guy. I, I cannot pronounce that guy's name, and I keep on forgetting it. Um, you know, showing, I guess his name is Martin, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, how things work in Gotham. And, I mean, I guess it just goes to show that even if you're a hardcore criminal... Uh, Gotham is just way more hardcore than you are. So, so that was nice to see, and it was a nice reminder of that. Um, and of course, like you said, Tim, uh, Jason Feebox art is awesome. 
I can't say more about it. So I'm going to give this four and a half out of five bad haircuts we had when, when we were kids, just because it's so great to see a good issue of Detective again. Yeah, it's also looks like all the Bat books are all on the right track now. I mean, of course, I got Scott Snyder on Batman. Batman and Robin has been it dipped off a little bit in the last arc, but I think it's going to pick up again. But now with Detective and uh, Dark Knight being as good as they are, it's like all the Bat books are going to be firing on all cylinders now, which is nice. Except for um, Catwoman. Well, the main Batman books, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's not a main book. Well, Batman barely is. <laughs> so I guess that's it for us for this week. You can check out our host site, The Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net. Or on Facebook, at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse. Or on Twitter, and that Twitter Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. And you can also find us on iTunes, as well as all of the other Batman Universe podcasts. And there's a, ton, there's a crap ton of them, Tim, right? <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> and guess who's on all of them? Not you and me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, Dustin is on all of them. I'm... That, that that guy's a cyborg. <laughs> he's gonna call him cyborg. Yeah, he he he's on every single episode, on every single feed except for this one, and he manages to have a kid, a job, and a wife. So he has to be a cyborg, or he cloned himself. That's how I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, you can rate and review us on iTunes, and the other Batman Universe podcast, and, and I'm sure I'm sure they'll. Really, really love that, and it'll make us look more sexy because <laughs> that's what people want in life. They just want to look sexy to other people. That's the point of this whole podcast, really. Yeah, we just want to look sexy to all the chicks. And guys, if you're into that, if you're into guys, you know. What better way to guys, do that than on a format where they can't see you? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you can help support fellow Batman Universe staff member Stella and her petition to get the Batgirl Year One animated movie into production. And if you need Stella twenty four seven in your life, every second of your of your life, you can find her at batgirltooracle.net. And her petition is at gopetition.com slash petitions slash batgirl dash year dash one dot html. And finally you can find our friend Bob, or our mate, or our buddy, or our pal at BatmanNightfall.com. That's right, yep. Well, Batman-Nightfall.com. Oh, Batman-Nightfall.com. Yeah. My bad. You find him. You find him there. He posts all kinds of stuff about Nightfall, and it's pretty freaking awesome. Is all I can say about it. Uh, our outro music is Bangler, and I know you will miss us. I know you will miss us, but we have to leave now. Uh, but we, we'll see you back here in two weeks. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry, because we'll, we'll see you back here in two weeks. Yeah, we love you. Peace out. <laughs> we all love you. If you're listening to this, we love you. If you listen to another bo- Batman podcast, we hate you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Except for mine. <laughs> Except for Bob's Nightfall podcast, we love you. Bye, everybody. We'll see ya. Bye. See you next time. I can still miss her skin on mine. Well, it's a secret I'll take with me soon.